If you have your Bibles this morning, look with us to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah, we're going to continue uh, going through our study and sermon series on the book of Jonah. And as we look at cautions from the deep and we examine the life of Jonah and how he ran from God, and yet through it all, God still worked and used his life. And I believe there are some things that we can learn from the life of Jonah that we can apply to our own lives. Thank the Lord for the good number of youth this morning going out to Children's Church and praise the Lord for that. What a blessing to see. Jonah chapter 1, and I want to begin reading in verse number 11, and we're going to read down through verse number 16. You may say, preacher, why would you stop one verse shy at the end of the chapter? And uh, I won't get into a study on that this morning, but in the Hebrew text, uh, chapter 1 actually starts and ends at verse number 16, and we're going to follow the Hebrew uh, pattern on that this morning. Jonah chapter 1, begin reading in verse number 11. The Bible says, Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, for the next few moments, may you speak to our hearts, and Lord, through, uh, the, uh, through the preaching of your word, Lord, may you draw us to a closer, more intimate relationship with you, and Lord, for those who are here today who do not know you as their personal Savior, Lord, for that one soul in our midst today, Lord, who is, uh, Lord, never come to a place of repentance where they place their life and their faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, God, we ask that today may be the day that they come to you. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning, I want to uh, preach with this thought or title in mind on choosing to wallow in a well. You say, preacher, what do you mean? I want to preach on Jonah and his choice to be cast into the sea. Here in verse number 11, we see that the Bible says that um, the sailors, uh, they were saying, what should we do that the sea should be calm? 
they recognized Jonah had told them that he was running from the face of God. And we find here that once again, these men are saying, listen, Jonah, we recognize that you are running from God. And so what is it that should be done to you that we may be saved? And so we find that although these men are unregenerate men, yet they look at the life of Jonah who claims that he is a servant of God. And these unbelievers have more faith in God and in the God of Jonah than Jonah himself has. We'll find in verse number 12 that Jonah makes a choice for what should happen to him. And we in life, we must make a choice of what we will do with God. God will knock upon our heart's door, whether you are lost, and he knocks upon your heart's door, desiring to come in to save you and have fellowship. But also as believers, God knocks upon our heart and he calls upon us, trying to bring us to a place where we will ex uh, accept to either uh, yield to his will upon our life or we will run for him as Jonah did. John Sylvan didn't know what he had and uh, this man, Sylvan, thought that there was a market for a device that would brew just a single cup of coffee um, at a time. After much experimentation, he came up with a device and uh, a little plastic cup that would hold the coffee. He and his college roommate decided to name his invention using the Dutch word for excellence, which is Keurig. In 2014 alone, more than 9 billion of those little plastic cups were sold, generating more than $4 billion of income. Sylvan didn't realize or didn't receive any of that money, however, because back in 1997, he gave up on the idea and sold his share of the company for $50,000. Talk about a bad decision. Here we find Jonah is much in the same boat. He has came to the Lord and God has, or God has called upon him and he has run from God. And in verse number 12, we find the decision that Jonah makes. The Bible says, and uh, he said to them, lift me up and throw me, or literally that word uh, means hurl me into the sea. It's the same word that was used just a few verses prior where God hurled a storm at Jonah and the boat. And he said, listen, hurl me into the sea and uh, it'll be calm for you. And, and Jonah was saying, it's my fault. The, the sea's doing this because of me, because I'm running from God. He said, listen, if you will just throw me into the sea, the storm will stop. This decision made by Jonah for me is reminiscent of Pharaoh back in Exodus chapter 8, verses 8 through 10. In Exodus chapter 8, Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he remove the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, the, uh, the uh, it's your honor, your glory to do what you want. And he said, uh, when shall I entreat for you and your servants and your people that the frogs would be destroyed from you and your houses that uh, you may live? Now watch verse number 10. The Bible says that here was Pharaoh's response. And, and then he said, tomorrow, tomorrow. And Moses said, may it be according to your word. 
Pharaoh here and the plagues were happening and Moses comes to Pharaoh and the frogs are plaguing the land and, and there was a famous sermon that said, that goes by the title of One More Night with the Frogs. And here we have Moses has come to Pharaoh, there's a plague upon the land and Moses says, Pharaoh, when do you want me to stop the plague? And Pharaoh says, tomorrow. Do it tomorrow, Moses. We'll have the frogs one more night. Here we find Jonah in chapter 1 of Jonah. Uh, we find that Jonah comes to a place. The sailors are saying, what must be done for the storm to cease? And watch Jonah's response here. Jonah's response was not, turn the ship towards Nineveh. He said, didn't return to, uh, to Joppa, where I may return in God's stead. Instead, he says, throw me overboard, throw me to my death. Jonah says, I would rather go and die in the storm. I would rather drown in the ocean. I would rather spend the rest of my days in the belly of a fish than I would to continue on the path that God has laid before me. Jonah, even in the midst of this storm, while the pagan sailors recognized that God was moving in his life and in his heart and God was trying to cause Jonah to be obedient, Jonah says, no, just throw me overboard. Doesn't seem very wise, does it? It's almost like Pharaoh with a hardened heart who says, no, let me spend one more night with the frogs. My heart is hard, yet I'm not willing to surrender to God. Just throw me into the sea. We find here that as we look at it, we find that the end of verse number 12, Jonah says, for I know that for my sake, this great tempest is upon you. Really, for Jonah, for the book, Jonah has been pretty quiet. All he has said up to this point is that I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which made the sea and the dry land. And everything we've examined from Jonah's life is Jonah running from God, going away from God, going his own way, trying to live for himself, trying to do what he pleases. And that is what society is trying to tell everyone right now. Don't worry about church. Don't worry about religion. Don't worry about God. Just do what makes you feel good. Is that not what society is trying to tell us? We hear this advice all the time. Just follow your heart. That that's what Jonah was doing. He was following his heart. He did not want to go to Nineveh where God had called him to do. And yet here we find in verse number 12 for the first time, Jonah shows a little crack in the hardness of his heart. He is not yet ready to repent by no means, but here we find he says that I know it's my fault that this storm is upon us. Here we see that maybe the first sign of contrition is upon the life of Jonah and his, de uh, his deplorable state has uh, caused him to lose his worth. And he said to the, this point, he said, my life is no longer of any value 
just throw me into the sea. I'm not going to get sidetracked in, on this this evening, but or this morning, but I do want to say that it's interesting that Jonah, honestly, from reading the scripture, it seems as if Jonah had given up on life. He saw death as his only way out of the predicament that he was in. And yet, just to show you how hardened his heart had become, he did not jump into the sea himself, did he? He told the men, throw me into the sea. It was almost uh, suicide by the sailors. He no longer, not only did he not care about Nineveh, the place where God had called him to go, now he didn't even care about those in the boat on the journey with him. He had become so consumed with himself that his heart was so hardened that he was making one bad decision after another. You ever seen someone who was just uh, destined to self-destruct? That was Jonah. He could not make a good decision. And now he is asking the sailors on the boat to live with the knowledge and the regret knowing that they threw someone who claimed to be a servant of an almighty God into the ocean because of his sin, not theirs. Bad decisions. Mark chapter 8, the Bible tells us that whoever seeks to save their life will lose it. And that's what, exactly what we see here in Jonah. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. He did not want to go to a place where they were evil, they were pagan, where they were cruel to individuals. And so he ran from God seeking to save his life. And now the very life that he sought to save is being taken from him. Jonah recognized his sin and he said, for I know it's my, for my sake. There was a, a glimpse of acknowledgement of his sin, yet he was not willing to make a right choice. As a matter of fact, he was more willing to be thrown into a raging storm than to obey God. I don't know if you've ever been on the ocean in a storm, but it, is, it can be a frightening thing. The ocean is a very powerful object. And I haven't been in major storms, but I've been out in fishing boats on the ocean and have just a de decent storm come up that gets the waters rocking and waving. And it's enough to make you hold on to the boat for dear life. It's a fearful thing. And yet this was a storm of divine wrath. It was a serious storm. And Jonah said, throw me in. I would rather face the oceans than obey God. Matter of fact, to take this even a step further, he, was, he would rather die himself than to see God grant life to Nineveh the people that he hated. 
So here we see there was the decision, but now look at me in verse number 13. Here we find the deterrent. In verse number 13, the Bible says, nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land. And I want you to know these men, they were saying, listen, Jonah, we're not going to throw you overboard. We don't care how far gone you are in your own heart, how far you are in your mind. We don't want to live with throwing someone overboard. We're going to row harder. We're doing our very best to get to land. What they did not realize, though, was Jonah had already told them he served the God of the land and the sea, and he was deterring them. He was keeping them from going forward. It did not matter how many men they had or how many paddles they had. They were not going to go against God's will. God deterred them. The Bible says that uh, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea was going against them. And it literally means that, uh, and was tempestuous against them. It literally means that it was, it was stormy. It was raging greater and greater. Just as Jonah reminded me of Pharaoh, where he desired to be one more night with the frogs, in this passage of Scripture, verse number 13, I'm re- uh, reminded of another Bible story. And that is of a, by a man by the name of Balaam and his donkey. In Numbers chapter 22 and verse number 22, but God was angry because he was, uh, he was going and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way and, as an adversary against him. And he was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. And God come before with his angel and stood before him and what happened? The donkey said, I'm not going that way, and turned off into a field. Then he turned off in another way, and finally he came to another spot between a tight spot, and the angel of the Lord appeared, and, and Balaam's donkey stopped. And, and three times uh, Balaam hit his donkey and beat it, and finally the, Lord, the Bible says God opened the mouth of the donkey, and the donkey said, why have you hit me these three times? I've always been good to you. And God opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord with the sword drawn, ready to kill Balaam because he was disobeying God. Three times God allowed the angel of the Lord and and Balaam's donkey to stop him from going in a way that was contrary to God's will. God was doing everything he could to deter Balaam and saying, Balaam, don't go against my will for your life. Don't go against what I have for you. And God was putting hurdles in his life trying to protect him. And here we find in Jonah's life, God is putting a storm that's blowing against the ship, trying to turn it around. And Jonah did not say to the men, turn this ship and go away. He said, throw me over. I'm glad that God has deterrence in our life. I'm not always right. I'm not always perfect. I make mistakes. I I sin and I have went against God. But I'm glad that God is always there. His word works as a deterrent. If we will hide God's word in our heart, the, Bible, the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The word of God is a deterrent. If we will read God's word, it will guide us. It will show us, don't go that way. You're going down a dangerous road. We don't like obstacles, do we? I don't like obstacles. 
When I have a plan, when I have a goal, I am goal-oriented. That's just kind of the way my, my, uh, I operate. I'm very goal and task-oriented. And so uh, by that, I, I have a tendency to uh, measure success in my own heart and life uh, by the goals I reach and by things that are accomplished. And that's not always healthy, but it's who God made me to be, and I, I recognize that. Uh, so I, when I get a goal set in my mind, in my heart, I get laser focused. We must accomplish the tasks that we have set. But there are some times where I have a tendency to set a task in my life, or not a tendency, but I have done it before. I have set tasks in my life, and God says, that's not the way that I want you to go. And yet my focus says, yes, but this is the plan we have. And God can put obstacles in my way to say, no, stop, listen. And I want to say this morning that not every obstacle you face in your life is of the devil. And that's what we often think, ain't it? If something gets in our life that hinders our progress, what hinders us from accomplishing what we want to accomplish or our desires, we tend to think, well, we better pray that the Lord would get the devil out of the situation. And when reality, it, sometimes it may be God, not the devil, and God saying, stop, you're not listening to me. There was a deterrent. Jonah was making bad choices, and yet God was doing what he could. He sent the storm trying to get Jonah's attention. And I don't know who it is this morning. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I have made some bad decisions in my life. I have made some choices that I know are wrong, and I'm paying the consequences for them in my life. And you say, Pastor, it seems like everything I try to do, there's obstacles in my way. This morning, I'm not... I don't know your life. I don't know every situation you're facing. But I would encourage you this morning to stop for a minute and say, maybe it's not the devil that's trying to get me from going where I need to go. Maybe it's God trying to change the course in my life. Verse number 14. For sake of time this morning, I better get with it. Verse number 14 says, Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, or we ask you, don't let us die. Don't lay this innocent blood against us. Now here's the truth. From their perspective, Jonah was innocent. From God's perspective, Jonah was not innocent, was he? I said, Lord, for you do what you please. It's almost like the, there was a degradation in the life of Jonah. To the place that I mentioned earlier, he was asking the sailors to do what he was not willing to do himself. He didn't need to jump over the ship, but that's what he wanted. But he wasn't willing to do it himself, so he asked others to do sin that he was unwilling to do. 
We find that the sin in Jonah's life had brought him such to a place that he did had he had no respect, not only for God or for himself, but also we find here he had no respect for others. And that's what sin can do in our heart. Sin can cause us to come to a place where we no longer have respect for those who are around us. We will be willing to ask things of others that are ungodly, unrighteous, and impure. And we have no regard for their well-being because we are consumed with ourselves. Well, let's look at verse number 15. They took up Jonah, they lifted him up, and threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. We find that Jonah went down. Remember, he went down to Joppa. He went down to the ship. He went down to the belly of the ship. And now they pick him up and they throw him down once again. Yet this time something different happens. We find that when they threw Jonah overboard, the sea stopped. It's raging, it's storming, it's anger. The Bible does not give us a timeline on this event, but I believe wholeheartedly that when they cast Jonah into the sea, it was an immediate response. Just as Christ, when he was walking on the water with the disciples, and Peter took, remember when Peter took a step on the water, and he was walking, and he began to sink, and he cried to the Lord. And the Bible says immediately they were back in the boat, and the waters were calm. And Christ would say, peace be still, and the storms and the waters would instantly cease from their storming. I believe that transpired here in Jonah as well. Say, preacher, why is that? John chapter 3, verse number 36 says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. The reason that the storm was raging was the storm was not angry. It was just a storm. It was not the storm that was angry at Jonah. It was God because of his, Jonah's insubordination and his unwillingness to surrender to God. And so God's wrath was upon Jonah because of sin. And in John chapter 3, verse number 36, the Bible says if we believe in God and we, have ever, we can have everlasting life, but if we don't, the wrath of God abides upon us. And we find that Jesus Christ has bore the wrath of God on Calvary. And so when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, the wrath of God is not upon us. We can have deliverance through him. And so the wrath of God was upon Jonah. But when Jonah was cast out of the boat, the wrath of God had been satisfied. There was no longer a need for the storm. Romans 5, 9 says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. It is Jesus that 
saves us from the wrath of God. Just as the sailors were saved from destruction because God's wrath has been satisfied, we can be saved from hell and God's judgment because the wrath of God was satisfied on Calvary with the death of, and the bloodshed of Jesus Christ. And this morning I want to tell you that we can have deliverance from sin. We can have deliverance from a life and eternity in hell paying for the consequences of our sin, not because of anything that we can do. There there was nothing in myself that I can do to obtain eternal life or to remove the wrath of God from me. Jesus Christ, however, was the lamb, lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And by his stripes, the Bible says, we are healed. It is because the wrath of God was placed upon Jesus Christ at Calvary. And because Jesus Christ bore that wrath, you and I can be saved from the wrath of God. Deliverance through Jesus Christ. They found deliverance because the wrath of God had been satisfied. This morning, I don't know who you are. I don't know your background. I don't know your history. I'm just getting to know many of you. But I do know this. It does not matter how long you've been a member of North Etowah Baptist Church or any other church for that matter. It does not matter. It does not matter how good you've been, how, how good you've tried to live, how pure and holy you've tried to be, how much money you've put in the offering plate. It does not and will not matter when you stand before God. But when you stand before God one day at the judgment seat of God, it will matter to you not what you have done with your life, but it will matter where your faith belongs and if your faith is in Jesus Christ. He's all that matters. You say, Pastor, in my life I've been searching for something, but there's something missing. Pastor, there's torrents in my life that are raging, and it seems like I go from one bad decision to the next, and I can't find hope. What do I do? Pastor, how can I find hope in my life? How can I find peace in my heart? You find it through Jesus Christ, through his deliverance. He is our hope. He's our only hope. Lastly, this morning, verse number 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. If we really begin to break down this wordage, the Bible says that they feared the Lord, but it also can all that word fear can literally be broken down to almost mean worship. They worshiped the Lord. They feared him with a reverential fear. The Bible says, and offered a sacrifice, which is a singular word, and meaning that they offered one sacrifice, but then 
um, each man made vows. There was a plurality of vows. Every man made a commitment for themselves that we will make a vow to God. Now, some commentators will try to tell you that this does not mean that these men forsook all of their other gods, but rather that they just made a vow to uh, Yahweh or Adonai in in, in in context or in alignment with their other gods, I don't believe that. I believe with all my heart that God used Jonah in spite of himself and the sailors. They were converted that day on the ship. They feared the Lord. They made sacrifice and made vows to the Lord. And so we find their, their devotion. Their devotion to the Lord these men came to Christ in spite of Jonah, in spite of who he was and what he did. This morning, I want you to know that God's will will be done with or without your consent. There are a couple of questions that we must decide, though, some choices that we must make. Either we'll be part of the problem or we're going to be part of the solution, and we have to decide. And sometimes, like Jonah, we're either going to decide, are we going to go the easy way or the hard way? But God's will is going to be done. This morning, I don't know what it is that God is trying to do in your heart. I don't know what it is that God is asking of you. But I know that if you're here this morning, you're saved, you're a born-again child of God, you're a part of this church, God has a call and a desire for your life. But what are you going to do? We've got nominations, I believe, for teachers, Sunday school teachers. And me and Brother Jonathan have been talking this week. And we have a lot of need for more Sunday school teachers, for workers, for volunteers. There's a great need. You say, Pastor, for what? We've got a whole lot of ministry and a whole lot of people that need reach. We need people to volunteer and be a part of it. But what will you do? Will you make the choice to follow God, to be surrendered to him, to, to say, Lord, I want to be part. Lord, I'll surrender. God, I'll go to Nineveh. I'll go to the outcast, to those that maybe who aren't in the church. Lord, I'll do whatever it takes. Lord, I want to be part of your work in, my, in the life of this church, in my own life. God, have your way done. But Jonah, in spite of all that, said, no, I'd rather go and swim with the fishes than to surrender to God. This morning, I'll close with this. Are you surrendered to God? Are you surrendered to God? And do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you would, please keep your eyes closed for just a minute. Don't worry about the song. We're just going to play some music here in a, for a second. But I wonder who it is this morning. I wonder right now, is there someone here who would say, Pastor, I'll be honest with you. No one looking around, if you would, please. Who would say, Pastor, I'll be honest. If I died right now... I don't know that I would go to heaven. Pastor, I want to go to heaven. I, I want to have eternal life, but I'm not 100% sure. I just don't know.
with no one looking around, I promise I won't embarrass you. But is there one here this morning who would slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I see that hand. You can put it down. Is there another? Say, Pastor, pray for me. If I died right now, I don't know that I would go to heaven. Would you slip your hand up? Is there another? I see that hand. I see that hand up in the balcony. Is there another? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. Is there another? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to go to heaven. I want to have assurance. But I just don't know. Would you slip your hand up and back down? Is there another? I wonder this morning who might say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. I know I'm a child of God. But Pastor, this morning, I've been like Jonah. I've been running. I haven't been living for God. I have not been committed to God. I've been half in church, half out, half in Christianity, and half for the world. Preacher, I have not been living surrendered to God. This morning, we're going to, she begins to play, sister, if you would. If that's you this morning, the altar's open. Would you come and pray? Say, Lord, I give my life to you. Lord, I'm tired of running. God, I'm tired of the storms in my life. Lord, I want to surrender to you. This morning, if God has spoken to you, would you come and pray? This morning, maybe you're one of the several individuals who raised your hand and said, Pastor, I want to go to heaven, but I'm not sure. I told you I wouldn't embarrass you, and I'm not going to this morning. But if you meant business and you're serious, would you come forward right now let me and my wife or someone else take the Bible and show you how you can have assurance, how you can know that you're going to heaven. If you raised your hand and you were serious, would you come forward right now? Brother Ronnie's going to sing a verse this morning. If you would just keep your head bowed and eyes closed. But if God spoke to your heart as he sings, I'm not going to drag this out this morning, but I believe with all my heart that God is working in someone's heart. And if that's you this morning, would you come? Would you surrender your life to God? Maybe you need to pray right where you're sitting, and that's all right as well. Don't leave church today still running from God. Say, Lord, I'll go where you've called me to go. All to thee, my 
blessed Savior, I surrender all. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer this morning. God, thank you for your wonderful mercies, your grace. Lord, I'm glad that in spite of, Lord, our indecision, Lord, in our decision that I have been made contrary to your will, God, that just like Jonah, you're so faithful to give us new mercies over and over again. Lord, thank you for that love and compassion. Father, we'll praise you in Christ's name I pray. Amen.